NBA health and safety protocols hitting the Houston Rockets. Kevin Porter Jr.'s return right around the corner. Some comments from Steven Silas in an exclusive with the Houston Chronicle and more coming up right here at Locked On Rockets. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. The show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. We sincerely thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. I hope you had a wonderful uh, holiday weekend, holiday season, all of that good stuff. So many different things to get into on today's show. It's going to be kind of like a melting pot of topics because there's not like one coherent theme for today's episode, not like one big, like overarching, you know, topic. Um, We've got DJ Augustine and Garrison Matthews, unfortunately in the NBA health and safety protocols. We've also got Kevin Porter Jr.'s return right around the corner. There was an exclusive with head coach Steven Silas by Jonathan Fagan of The Chronicle that I want to highlight uh, in segment two of today's show. And then in segment three, I've got like a rat's nest of like an idea or a topic that I've been wanting to get like out of my skull and cranium into the show, talking about Alper and Shingoon and just like, roster construction involving him and like so we'll get to that in that third segment and it's probably going to derail the entire episode but with that um yeah i mean the you know the the big news right out of the gate again no dj augustine no garrison matthews both of them in the nba health and safety protocols so they'll likely both be out for at the very minimum the rockets game on the road against the charlotte hornets Maybe they'll make it back in time for the game at home against the LA Lakers. Um, they've got to return two negative test results with it, or you know, s- separated by 24 hours uh, from each other. So maybe there's enough of a you know a window of time for one, if not both of them, to be back in the lineup before the LA Lakers game. But I would not hold my breath in that fr- or on that front, I should say. Now on the Hornets front. Um, PJ Washington and Miles Bridges are both also in the NBA health and safety protocol. So just like just across the entirety of the NBA, every NBA team is dealing with this stuff right now. Thankfully, the Houston Rockets being one of the first teams to have all their players vaccinated and then to also be the first one of the first teams to have all their players (laughs) receive the booster. I am so sorry. I'm still coughing. And I'm going to take a hit of my fancy new inhaler that I have. Because <coughs> the inhaler actually helps a little bit. Um, 
Oh, goodness. Okay. Eventually, one day, this cough will go away, but that day is not today, unfortunately. <clears throat> okay. So the Rockets aren't the only team dealing with the health and safety protocols. The entire NBA is dealing with it at this point. Thankfully, the Rockets have largely been untouched by it to this point. DJ Augustine was the only player who had been in the health and safety protocols, and now he's in it for a second time. Uh, so hopefully it's nothing serious with him and with Garrison Matthews. Hopefully they're just asymptomatic or a false positive or something to that effect. Uh, you know, looking forward to seeing them back uh, safe and sound in the Rockets lineup. Kevin Porter Jr., should make his return to the Rockets lineup in the coming days, either against the Charlotte Hornets or against the LA Lakers. That's kind of the target return date for KPJ. And I am so excited to see him back in the Rockets lineup, mainly because not only do I miss seeing Kevin Porter Jr. play, but KPJ also just makes the game so much easier for Christian Wood. And I think that... <clears throat> I think that Christian Wood at times gets, you know, an unfair shake, uh, you know, from from Rockets fans because ultimately, right, Christian Wood's not the best player on a team. You know, if Christian Wood's the best player on your team, then yeah, you're probably like a lottery bound team. Christian Wood is like the optimal, like third, you know, third best guy on, on a team that's actually vying for like, you know, the playoffs or like championship aspirations. I think he's shown enough and is talented enough to be that guy. And so at times when he's made to be the best player on the floor, which he is for this Rockets team at times, over, at times he's going to overstretch himself, right? And, and I come from a place of not like, I'm not like a staunch Christian Wood defender, but I did notice that the uh, the Daniel House meme, the House cycle, has found its way to Christian Wood now. So now that Daniel House Jr. is no longer a part of the Houston Rockets, uh, the House cycle has now become the Wood cycle, where you know he tries too much and then he like regresses and then he like sinks back into his role and then he starts playing really well again and then tries too hard again and. I think that's just a little too harsh on Christian Wood, honestly, because when he is fulfilling his role, when he has the other pieces around him, he looks really good, right? And Kevin Porter Jr. makes the game easier for Christian Wood and not having a true facilitator to really run the pick and roll with. You know, EG is like a, you know, a Band-Aid facilitator for this Rockets offense. So not having his true point guard to help get him easy looks has been a bit harder on Christian Wood. It's kind of caused him to go into some of those sets where he isolates too much or, you know, tries to take on doing too much himself offensively. So I'm excited to see KPJ back just in the lineup and hopefully healthy. He was at Rockets practice on Sunday. He looked good. Steven Silas said that there was no, you know, no lapses. He didn't, you know, he didn't let up throughout the entirety of practice. So I'm optimistic that we'll see KPJ in one of these upcoming two games. It's worth noting that both KPJ and Jalen Green are listed as questionable for the game against the Charlotte Hornets. It's possible that maybe the Rockets are, you know, Jalen Green, I would assume, is going to sit out one of these two games for injury management. And it's possible maybe the Rockets just decide to delay KPJ's return so that they can have, you know, a full house of players uh, Tuesday at home against the LA Lakers, because that's obviously the game where, you know, you're at home, you're playing the Lakers. Um, and if you're going to meet, if you're going to be missing some guys rather than, you know, missing some guys one night and some guys the next night, maybe just, counted as a schedule loss against the Hornets and just have, 
you know, both KPJ and Green sitting out. Although it's not really a schedule loss since they've been playing without those guys for the past what month or so anyways, a um, few weeks at least. So it's going to be exciting to see them back in the Rockets roster. Let's play. What is the starting lineup going to be against the Charlotte Hornets? Because there's no DJ Augustine. There's no Garrison Matthews. And Garrison Matthews has been a de facto starter as of late. So that's going to be at least one starting roster spot opening up. Potentially uh, another starting roster spot opening up if Jalen Green does not wind up playing. So what do you think the starting roster is going to be for Rockets Hornets Monday evening? Coming up, I want to dive into the Steven Siles exclusive by Jonathan Fagan of the Houston Chronicle. Some great tidbits from that article and a piece focusing specifically on Alperin Shingoon. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Truebill. Because do you know why free, free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your hard-earned money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. Because I hate to admit it, but that's happened to me, and I'm sure it's happened to you. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions so hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap, one click, one press. It is that easy. Don't fall for any more subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. And continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We thank you for making Locked On Rockets your first listen each and every day. Now, Let's get into this uh, piece by Jonathan Fagan for the Chronicle titled The Evolution of Steven Silas as Rockets Head Coach. Um, first off, a very well-written article. If you don't uh, subscribe to or read Jonathan's work, you absolutely need to. I would assume if you're listening to this podcast, you probably check out the majority of Jonathan Fagan's work. Um, Jonathan's incredible. He does a great job covering the team. and. I'm not going to go through this whole article, but there was a, a couple spots that absolutely stood out. And the first of which is just a bit of a throwaway that I'm going to put in here. Um, and that was at one point, you know, they're talking about, or the, the article covers the fact that Steven Silas has had to learn to delegate as the head coach of the Rockets. And that at times he takes on way too much onto his plate and that this season specifically, he's, he's learning to trust and delegate to his assistant coaching staff. Um, and there was a point where John Lucas highlighted that and, you know, the dynamic between he and Steven Silas and John Lucas said his tone referring to Steven Silas, his tone is more of accountability, which is a good cop. John Lucas goes on to say, my tone is more cuss words, which is the bad cop. Our personalities mesh real, real well. And I just, what a gem of a quote from John Lucas. Uh, and after being, uh, cussed out by John Lucas in Rockets practice one day for trying to take some photos, me and the rest of Rockets media. Um, you know, I, I can very much attest to the to the bad cop element of John Lucas. But no, John Lucas is a sweetheart. He's very, he's, you know, very warm, very, very friendly. Um, but he'll get on you in Rockets practice if he don't want you taking film. So with that, um, that's that's just a throwaway from the article. The article does a really great job kind of illustrating, you know, the 
transition that Steven Silas has had to make from, you know, when he first took the job as a head coach of the Houston Rockets to the dynamic and the shift that he dealt with last year with the revolving door of players into this season with the focus on development of the young guys, all of this stuff. But there's a point where he actually references, you know, Alper and Shingun and Fagan, I'm assuming is, you know, asking him about um, Alper and Shingun and, and, you know, the idea from Rockets fans that he should be playing more and have more of a focal, you know, or more of a focus, you know, on this Rockets team. And the piece that I want to highlight says as much a quote directly from Steven Silas. <clears throat> Uh, I, I totally get it, but I didn't know that that's a big deal at all, Silas said. I, I mean, I'm trying to help him, throwing him out there for 30-something minutes every night. It's really hard. So there are nights where, where he'll stay on the floor longer. There are nights where the matchup or his foul trouble or whatever will dictate the minutes that he gets. But it has nothing to do with how I feel about him because I love him. I love when he's on the floor and he's going to be really good. And he has earned more and more touches and activity when he's on the floor. I mean, he basically touches it 70% of the time when he's on the floor. Silas has even rewritten much of the Rockets' offense to feature Singoon in post-ups rather than to exclusively play the five-out style he favored last season and coming into this season. That, too, speaks to how much this season must be about building for seasons to come. So that's the main point that I wanted to you know, bring up regarding this article by Fagan, you know, focusing on, on Steven Silas's transition uh, and his growth as the Rockets head coach, because obviously Alperin Shingun is a, is a kind of a, a main sticking point for this Rockets team. And for this very podcast where we discuss, you know, how are the Rockets utilizing Shingun, right? Is there some kind of internal belief that he isn't the, the future franchise cornerstone that, that we as Rockets fans and, and media covering the team can kind of see. And I, one, it's nice to hear that Steven Silas holds LP in such high regard. And I do think we have to give credit to Steven Silas for making sure that Shingun is involved in the offensive sets that they run when he is on the floor because he does handle the basketball quite a bit, right? It doesn't necessarily, just because Shingun isn't getting the ball in like, you know, you know, sealed off post-ups every time down the, down the floor doesn't mean that he's not involved in the offense, right? When the Rockets are running those delay sets and they've got Shingun at the top of the key and he's running dribble handoffs and everything, Shingun is the decision maker in those sets, right? He's watching both sides of the floor, waiting to see which guy gets open. If somebody's able to cut to the cut to the rim, if there's a backdoor cut, if there's a little side screen, whatever, he's waiting to decide who he's going to give the ball to on the dribble handoff. He's also deciding if he's going to attack himself if the defense is overplaying the dribble handoff. Putting a rookie, a 19-year-old kid, in charge of that much of the offense and steering the direction that the team goes offensively, that's huge. That's a lot of trust from Steven Silas. And then not only that, right? Shingun does get his fair share of opportunities in the high post, in the low post to really play his game, right? So I do think we need to give Steven Silas a little bit of credit for, you know, focusing on Alper and Shingun and, and allowing him to flourish in the minutes that he does get. Um, I still would, would like to know, right, some specific reasons for why, like, because again, the throwaway in there about, you know, matchups or foul trouble. Yes, there's been some foul trouble. Yes, there have been certain matchups that haven't been super favorable to 
Alperin Shingun, like Mitchell Robinson of the Knicks comes to mind, right? Where that was just a really, really tough game for Al P in that one. But overall, it doesn't feel like Shingun has ever, like, you know, played a really subpar game to where you're thinking, okay, he doesn't deserve 20 plus, 25 plus, 30 plus a night, which is why Rockets fans have been clamoring for him to get more burn and more run because obviously the focus is on the future, right? The focus is on development for this Rockets team, but there's a fine line and there's a balance there, right? Maybe from Steven Silas's perspective, just throwing Shingun to the Wolves and having him, you know, log 25, 30 plus minutes a night isn't the right way to do it. There's also probably some, you know, player politics involved with the fact that Christian Wood is the starting five. And if you're going to run single big lineups, then that becomes an issue. But we're seeing... Christian Wood and Alperin Shingun slowly but surely start to spend more and more time on the floor together. Steven Silas is allowing that duo to get some extended run uh, on the floor together. It started where they were just kind of playing at the tail end of games together, kind of in the fourth quarter. Now Steven Silas has gone to it a bit more where we're seeing some overlap from them in the fourth quarter, or I, not in the fourth quarter, in the first quarter, I should say, where Shingun is like checking in with, you know, four or five minutes left in the first quarter. And we're seeing a little bit of that overlap of the double big lineup. So I'm convinced that they're, they're working on ways to get LP you know, more involved to get him the minutes that he should be getting because he should be like his development or the priority placed on his development should be right there alongside the priority placed on Jalen Green's development. It, it absolutely should be. And you maybe make the argument that Alperin Shingun has been, and I don't even think, I honestly don't even think it's like that crazy of an argument is that Alperin Shingun has been the more impactful of the two players through this season. Now that's not exactly fair to Jalen Green, seeing as how he was hamstrung. But, oh my Lord, no pun intended, please. Oh, why did I do that? Um, anyways, oh, poor choice of words. Anyways, um, Jalen Green being hamstrung by the double big lineup, uh, you know, to, to start the season. So that's not exactly fair to him. And obviously since then with a whole game against the Indiana Pacers and the one quarter against the Chicago Bulls, he's looked incredible. So it'll be, you know, interesting to see how that continues to play out for Jalen Green's actual development now that he has floor space to work with. But Alpi has been very impactful, right? His play speaks for itself on a nightly basis on the floor. And I think it's just really important that the Rockets make his development a priority. So again, it's good to hear that Steven Silas is at least publicly, you know, very much in Alpi's corner and understands just how talented and good he is. Uh, even if Rockets fans aren't ready to accept that there's not some uh, secret grudge between Steven Silas and, and, and Alper and Shingun. But coming up, I want to get into uh, a little bit more about roster construction and like lineup and some hypotheticals, I guess, surrounding Alper and Shingun. And we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Because look, when it comes to protein bars, you can't miss with Built Bar. They are the best protein bars on the market. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Every single bar is low-cal, low-sugar, low-carb, low-fat, high in protein, right? They're great if you're on a keto diet. They're great if you're trying to lose weight. They're great if you're just – I sometimes just grab them when I'm running out the door in the morning, right? Running a little bit behind. Not quite a meal replacement, but you're going to at least hit your protein marks for the day, all that good stuff. 
They've got so many amazing flavors to choose from. Raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, cookies and cream, my personal favorite, coconut brownie chunk. You cannot go wrong with a single bar on their menu. And you can check them out. Just visit built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your very next order of the best tasting protein bars on the market. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We appreciate you making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, go check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms, just like this show. So... Let's get into this like rat's nest of an idea that I've been like, it's been like ping-ponging around my skull. I, I am sitting here and obviously we've like debated the logistics of like, can Alperin and Shingun and Christian Wood coexist moving forward, right? Is, or is Christian Wood, you know, on the way out because he can't coexist with Alpi or, or whatnot. I wonder what is exactly, like who is the best fit next to Alper and Shingu, right? Like what type of player is the best fit next to Alpi? Is it another big or is it a wing type player? I, 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 you know, and does it have to be a player if it's, for example, right? If it's another big, does that player have to be able to space the floor five out? I would argue yes, because that player is likely not going to have the ball in their hands because of how adept Alper and Shingun is when it comes to passing the basketball. You would assume that whatever player is playing off of Alpi needs to be able to spot up on the three-point line. But with Alpi's proclivity for passing, maybe you make the argument that a big that is more of like a bit like a you know like a Jalen Duran type guy. Um Maybe you make the argument that a big like that, who doesn't necessarily have the you know outside shot, but is a defensive anchor and can play really well out of like the dunker spot. Maybe somebody like that is somebody that could play off of Alper and Shingun successfully. Or you go the other direction, right? Maybe it's not play him with another big, right? Because I think the the question mark moving forward is, is Alper and Shingun clearly like a center? Can you run him as like a four slash five? Can you run him alongside another big, which is the big question with him and Christian Wood? And then I think, you know, I have my own like reservations and questions about him defensively. And if you're running another big alongside Alper and Shingun, how many matchup issues do you run into from a defensive standpoint in today's NBA running dual bigs for an extended period of time? So I lean towards the other side of things that the best match for Alper and Shingun in the future would be to have another wing type player alongside him, somebody who spaces the floor five out. But then that begs the question is, can Alper and Shingun by himself on the floor be a reliable like backline for your NBA defense because you know he's not exactly <clears throat> look Alp's not a to me at least besides the fouling he's not like a defensive liability right he boxes out well he reads and reacts defensively well he's got great instincts he processes the game at a great level but can he confidently be your defensive backline for the team moving forward so 
and, and maybe it's not maybe it's not that big of a deal because I think we we've seen especially a lot. It feels like we're seeing it a lot this season. Is NBA teams are doing a lot of different things defensively to just shake things up, right? To give opposing teams different looks, right? We've seen teams throw out a copious amount of like zone this this year. Sometimes teams are, you know, they'll trap pick and roll ball handlers, they'll blitz, they'll they'll show, they'll play drop, they'll switch everything. And even the even the Houston Rockets to an extent this season, their base defense is still, you know, they're they're largely switch everything defense, but they're also not afraid to mix things up, right? We've seen we've seen Steven Silas throw some zone out there. We've seen them, you know, run a little bit of drop coverage. We've seen them trap before. And so I think that <clears throat> as long as there's a willingness to get creative with the team's defensive identity, then there shouldn't necessarily be a concern placed on Alper and Shingun being, I guess, a defensive anchor moving forward. But I still say, you know, and I'm still not 100% sure. I, I I said I was leaning the direction of having a wing out there with Alp, mostly because I almost think of it, you know, again, I think of it very similarly to the construction of like the Denver Nuggets lineup, right? Where you've got Jokic and then you've basically got multiple wings and guards playing alongside him. So that's kind of how I envision, you know, this Rockets team and, and you know, trying to build around LP and Jalen moving forward and the right pieces and the, the types of guys you want to surround those guys with. <clears throat> but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he can find success with another big. And that's why I'm, you know, optimistic moving forward that he and Christian Wood are going to be able to find ways to continue to play off of each other successfully so that we get a glimpse at whether or not LP needs to be the sole big on the floor or whether or not he can coexist with another big out there. So I feel like I was kind of just, I don't think I was talking in circles. I may have been talking in circles, but that was just like a thought. And it was like, again, kind of like a rat's nest of a couple of different ideas ping-ponging around that I just wanted to like verbalize and talk myself through sort of. Um, and again, I didn't even like, I didn't paint myself like a conclusion there. I think it's just an interesting talking point and something to consider moving forward is, you know, does what what kind of player complements Alp best in the front court, right? Um, and is that player Christian Wood or is that player somebody else that doesn't quite exist just yet, right? Um, at least not on this Rockets roster. So I just wanted to throw that one out there. Um, and then my parting thought, which is just not even a again, I, I said this today was gonna be a melting pot of an episode. My parting thought is the Lakers are in absolute shambles right now. And they look in complete disarray as a franchise, as an organization, um, shout out to GM LeBron James for his, uh, incredible roster construction over there. But the idea has been floated around a handful of times now of John wall for Russell Westbrook part due. And honestly, like, I wouldn't see the I wouldn't see the negative in doing that. Like if you now I, I don't necessarily think it could be like a one for one straight up swap of like John Wall for Russ and like, I don't know, draft capital coming back from the Lakers, like a first round pick or something. I wouldn't say no to that, but I also don't think you could 
comfortably convince Russell Westbrook to not play in basketball games. And I also think the dynamic of coming back to Houston after being shipped out of Houston for John Wall in the first place is a little kind of sketch. That said, there may be a framework there, however slim of a chance that it could happen. There may be a framework there to send John Wall to the Lakers, to send Russell Westbrook to a third team, and to send assets from said third team back to the Rockets, as well as salary contract filler. Um, Potential, like maybe like the New York Knicks, possibly. Um, obviously, the Knicks are kind of fading in the East and struggling, and they're not having near anywhere near the success that they did last season. So potentially a shakeup could be had there, uh, where maybe you get Russ in the Garden uh, under Tibbs. You know, Russ wants to play a million minutes a night, and you know he can average his triple double in the Garden and have fun doing it. Um, I don't know. I think there's potentially a framework there just because, all right. And I think the argument is as such, um, is John Wall a better player than Russell Westbrook right now? Probably not. In fact, I would, I would, I would comfortably say no, Russell Westbrook is the better player, but Russell Westbrook also comes with a lot of net negatives that John Wall doesn't, right? Like there's spacing issues, there's turnover issues, there's a lot of different things that Russ struggles with on a nightly basis that you suddenly aren't dealing with if you're slotting in John Wall in place of Russ. So, I mean, how desperate do the Lakers get at the trade deadline? We've seen... LeBron James led teams like back with the Cleveland Cavaliers make massive shakeups at the trade deadline to try and jumpstart their ability to actually compete. And with this Lakers team hovering at about 500 with injuries to uh, multiple guys on their roster with guys in and out of health and safety protocols with LeBron James logging an insane workload for that Lakers team, it would not shock me if you know, they shake something up, right? And I, at this point, cannot confidently say that Russell Westbrook will be an LA Laker past the trade deadline. However slim the margins may be that a trade actually does materialize, I think you have to at least consider that the Houston Rockets may be in the conversation because they have John Wall sitting on ice and because that is one of the few contracts in the association that can match Russell Westbrook one for one and ship Westbrook out to a third team and then bring assets back to the Houston Rockets or asset back to the Houston Rockets. Like, I mean, you know, asset and expiring contracts or something. And then maybe the Rockets find a way to offload John Wall's contract, you know, a season early instead of having to wait for potential buyout discussions this upcoming offseason or, you know, just him, you know, riding out the entirety of the contract well into the next NBA offseason. So, those are my melting pot thoughts on today's Locked on Rockets. I'm really excited to see Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. back on the floor together. It may not happen in the Charlotte Hornets game. Hopefully we see it against the LA Lakers, but you know we'll have your recap episode up of whatever takes place against the Charlotte Hornets. But for today's episode, that is going to do it. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, check out the new Locked on Rockets. I can't, I guess I can't keep calling it new, right? It's been around for a minute. Check out the Locked on Rockets YouTube channel. Search Locked on Rockets on YouTube. Hit subscribe, like, comment, all that good stuff. Looking forward to seeing what you have to say. Who's going to be the starting lineup against the Hornets? 
What is the best fit of player next to Alperin Shingun? Drop your answers in the comments on the YouTube video. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.